Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's interview, just wanted to drop a little reminder to stay up to date with all the latest episodes of On The Margin. You can subscribe to the BlockWorks Macro YouTube. Just go up there, just click the little uh, subscribe button, or you can click the links at the top of this episode. It'll take you over to Apple, Spotify, whatever your preferred platform is. Just subscribe there. And if you could, leave a rating interview. Really appreciate it. All right, on with the show. All right, everyone, welcome back to another weekly roundup edition. Wow, I haven't said that in a couple of weeks with my... My esteemed yeah. co-host, Mr. Mark Yusko. I missed you, buddy. How are you? Ah, missed you. Missed you badly. And, you know, mm-hmm. between, you know, vacation schedules and just calendars, it, it just, yeah, it's been, it's been a while. So great to, great to be back together. And, uh, and we, and unfortunately we have to do a shortened version today because of some other logistical challenges. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to speed talk, but so I'll do a speed reveal. So Let's I do, do have the orange pants and I do, I do have the, uh, the history of, of Bitcoin socks, you know, the, uh, the change in the logo over time. Uh, just, I think we're going to talk, I think we're going to talk history today. Uh, you know, I was in Europe, you were in Europe. Uh, I think we're going to talk. Men of culture. We're men of culture. 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 There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I will say, I'll give a, a very quick uh, recap. There was a conference that went on last week called ECC. It's been going on for about three years. Um, this was within the overall universe of crypto market conferences. This is an enormous outlier. And the reason why is conferences are a lagging indicator when it comes to crypto. The example I'll give is consensus, which is the the major one. And uh, it was the 2018-2019 time period. Market turned over in December 2017. Six months later, they threw their biggest conference ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone was saying, oh, what bear market, yada, yada. One year after that, 18 months in, brutal. Down attendance, down 90%. Organizers yep. took a bath, all this stuff. So this year, that's what I was expecting. We're about 18 months in. Actually, timelines align almost exactly. Attendance year over year doubled. The vibe was higher than it's ever been. Yep. The solutions that people were proposing to problems were real. There was a genuine air of excitement and optimism, which was very lacking. And the stuff that people were solving were gigantic infrastructure bottlenecks that have strangled uh, new app development for a very long time. So it's just a very encouraging week overall, I would say. Yeah. Well, you know, what, what's interesting about that is, again, history, old, um, that is the way it goes in downturns, right? Downturns produce the best companies, the best returns for investors. Now, mm-hmm. No one actually ever gets those returns because everyone runs to the sidelines. Like literally, the reason I think, in, especially in my world in venture capital, why why these are such good vintages is there's just no money, and so you can only you have to choose amongst the projects, and so you really only fund the very best projects as opposed to at the top where you're funding everything. You just don't, and valuation doesn't matter, and and people do stupid stuff. But the the building that goes on at these troughs is unbelievable. And I, you know, people have heard my story about the Sienna guy and in the nineties and I give you lots of examples in 2001 and I give you lots of examples in 2009. And here we are in 2023, same thing, right? Same kind of to your point feelings like, wait a second, you know, tenants should be down and and people should be moping because we just, you know, fell 75, 80%. Nope. Builders get more focused. Part of it is you don't have any choice, right? Because people you don't have any choice. You. Yeah. You know? And necessity is the mother of invention. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I, 
I am, you know, more excited than I've ever been as an investor. I mean, it was close in in that bear market, in and, and the digital uh, cycle is shorter, right? It's a four year cycle instead of a seven eight year cycle in the normal business cycle. So I was pretty excited in 2018 when we launched, and early 2019, you know, and just things were just awful. Yet we just kept meeting people, building amazing things, and that that fund is is going to be our best fund by far. Um, and but Except I think for the, the one you're doing now, and I think the fund we're raising right now will beat that. I, I really do. I think um, I think that fund is is going to be our best fund, and and that's that's not promissory. So don't come at me, SEC. I'm not I'm not promising anybody. Anything. I'm just I'm just saying based on on my understanding of history and my experience. It's not just understanding. It's not just reading about it. I, I've lived it, and I've I've seen when you. I, I was talking to even you. I was talking to a a serial entrepreneur yesterday. Um, and you know, this guy already started one business. So he sold his part. I mean, the company's still going and it'd be fine. And, mm-hmm. but he decided he wanted to go a different direction and he's putting together a, a dream team of engineers. Uh, and that's what I love about this. He's not putting together a marketing person and doing a, an MBA pitch deck. He's pulling together engineers and to your point, they are re-engineering a big choke point, not just in, in crypto, not just in trading, you know, uh, little coins, but in actually how workflow exists. And they're using digital asset ecosystem and uh, blockchain to solve real world problems. And, and this goes to... You know, while while we were talking, the the you know, we skipped last week, but the week before, when when I was still in Portugal, and we were talking about yeah. you know the nice Templar and and how they invented fractional reserve banking, and it's not just getting rid of the result of that, right? Which was this seven trillion dollars of friction every year for the trust industry. That's that's big enough, but now we're actually innovating, and now we're getting to what happens. When, when you take away, I won't call it wasted money because I don't want to call banks and insurance companies a, a waste, but but that's it's an inefficiency. When you liberate, and I use that word intentionally, right? When you liberate that capital, what happens is human beings get creative. Yeah. And human creativity, it's the superpower, right? There are a lot of things that are super, that is the superpower, human creativity. Yeah, and that um, I want to move on to the FOMC here, but just to you know that that the that, antithesis of creativity. Yeah, that well, that idea of having to choose at the VC level is exactly what happens at the entrepreneurial level of in a bull market, everything's working. So you get this weird positive signal bias where, hey, maybe we should try this. Oh my gosh, this really works. Is there a real business here? No, there actually isn't. So when when nothing's working, you actually have to prioritize what is the most important thing to yeah. do. Let's talk a little bit about the FOMC. Kind of a slow one this week. We, To be honest, we got our 25 basis points that had basically been 100% priced in since the beginning of this month in July. No one really surprised there. What I want to immediately direct everyone's attention to is I think that what the market was looking for here was not so much what was going to happen at this FOMC. The market is doing what it's been doing, frankly, this entire year and trying to look and see through what the Fed is saying towards rate hikes, which Powell directly addressed and said there are no plans to do any rate hikes for the rest of this year. 
He also said some interesting things, Mark. He said that he's not expecting a recession, which was a pretty bold statement from the chairman yeah. of the Federal Reserve. He also said he doesn't see the inflation target getting down to 2% until 2025. So those are sort of two of my big takeaways from the FOMC. What do you think? Uh, I think that's a great, great summary. And I, I probably wouldn't wouldn't add much to that mm. other than uh, violent agreement. You know, I think what's, well, I will, I will make one caveat. You know that the, F, the FOMC, right, which is not just one guy or gal, but it's, you know, hundreds of very highly educated PhDs, you know, in, in, right. in on paper, very, very smart, right? And they've been predicting those two things, GDP and inflation, for dozens and dozens of years, right? Here's the crazy stat. I mean, this is a crazy stat. They are over on those predictions. Like literally zero for like 286 or whatever it is on the quarterly. I mean, it's, it's, you can flip a coin and be right half the time. They're horrible at that. So I, I his commitment to say, I don't see, not commitment, but him saying, uh, I don't see any more rate hikes. I'll take that as a signal. Him saying no recession and and you know inflation not coming down, noise, right? This is a guy who said inflation is is transitory when it was two percent last time on its way to to seven, and now that it's fallen from seven to three and probably heading for sub two, probably even I don't know that we'll get all the way back to deflation, but but there are some things that are looking pretty ugly. Um, so I, I don't I don't take the, I don't take his proclamations there with that much seriousness. What's going on, everybody? Thank you for listening to On The Margin. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a very special offer that we have coming out of BlockWorks Research. Now, many of you will probably be familiar with our platform, but BlockWorks Research is the most blue chip spot to get research, data, governance, models, and a whole lot more about the leading DeFi protocols in the space. I've leaned on our analysts time and time again to explain complicated concepts going on in DeFi to me like I'm five years old. They can do the same for you. If you invest in DeFi or are just interested in it, it is an absolute no-brainer. As a listener of On The Margin, and to say thank you all for listening to the show, you can use Margin 10 for a 10% discount, and that gives you access to everything, which would be weekly in-depth reports, live data, all of that good stuff. So again, that's code MARGIN10 for a 10% discount. Link is in the show notes. Sign up now. Thank you later. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. And you know, not so long ago, Mark, it probably rewind the clock back a year. I remember reading a survey from economists pulled by Bloomberg, 100% of whom were expecting a hard landing. Yeah. It's just tough. And, it, you know, as, as an observer, you know, to, to, I guess, just put the caveat in, these are very, I guess, every time is unprecedented times, but these are particularly difficult to forecast. And, but it's yeah. sort of like, which one are you supposed to take seriously? The 100% hard landing? Or now it looks like we're in this, the talk is, are we in this Goldilocks sort of zone. And I have two explanations for this, and I'd love to see which one resonates more with you. And I, I, I want- I, I'm psyched that you have two, because I, I think when I was talking, I was talking to somebody this week and, and they asked me, you know, Hey, you were, you were, you know, more in favor of, of recession. And, and now it sounds like you're saying you're, you're not. And I'm like, yeah, I was just wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what do you mean? I, 
wrong. I mean, it happens, right? Actually, it happens a lot. I don't like happens to talk all about the time. It. Yeah. But, yeah. But that's just life. And and I really, I really am struggling here because the anecdote, the stuff I see with my eyes, the anecdotal evidence, you know, full restaurants on vacation, full airports, you know, <laughs> Taylor Swift grossing a billion dollars wow. on this tour. The estimates are that she's going to gross a billion dollars and set the all-time record. Wow. It, the, wait, Mark, sorry, can we just comment on the fact that Taylor Swift got a shout out from one of the reserve banks about yes. her impact on the economy? Yes. Hold on. I, I got to pull this up. No, that. no, no. Absolutely. She made it into yeah. the minutes, the Fed minutes. Look at this headline. The Federal Reserve says Taylor Swift's era's tour boosts the economy. <laughs> One market research firm estimated she could add $5 billion. Yeah, she made it. Into- wow, I think uh, I think she's really made it now. Now the Fed's commenting on her. And I, look, and so when you look at what that, that anecdotal stuff, it's like, wow. And but when you when you look at, at other stuff like, you know, credit card debt, um, you know, multiple expansion, right? Stocks have not gone up because things got better. They didn't go up because earnings went up. They didn't go up because they, they went up because the multiple went up like like a lot. I mean, Amazon is selling it over 300 times earnings. NVIDIA is over 200 times earnings. I mean, these are, well, the 300 is actually unprecedented. The 200, you know, we had that with Cisco in, in 2000, but 300, I, you know, I didn't know what to say. So let, let me lay a couple of theories out for you here. I actually just forgot reminded of, I think there are like three sort of possible explanations. One is very, one is a simple one, which is this entire market rally is basically being led by seven stocks. And there's an AI narrative. So like you could just, t- you could simply take a look at the, the indices. You could say, Hey, uh, this is really like seven stocks that are driving this in your words, lack of breadth equals depth. This yep. is probably not going to last. Yep. There's here, here's one slightly less, uh, actually also sort of bearish on a midterm time frame. I'm reminded of this, this story that Stan Druckenmiller told about his, uh, escapades trading the, the dot-com, uh, bubble and then crash where he got in early sold at probably the right time, made a tidy profit, got so sick seeing other people continue to make money, yeah. bought the top, took a bath, lost, you know, within the over a billion dollars, took took a hiatus, came back. When he came back in 2001, the top had rolled off over the bubble, but there yep. was a face-ripping bear market rally. And yep. he kind of came back. The, the, there was a face-ripping bear market rally at the same time gold or the, the, uh, the dollar and oil were extremely strong and earnings were down. And he just shorted it and made it all back. Yep. Part of what this could be, why is everyone so confused? 2022 was one of the worst years for the 60-40 portfolio in recorded history. Yes. Some amount of mean reversion was always going to happen. You know, bear market rallies happen in very big ways and it's very confusing for people who participate in them. That's what this could be before we roll over, uh, you know, towards the end of this year. That's another bearish explanation. Yep. The... Short to midterm bullish, long-term extremely bearish explanation could be what Lynn Alden gave us on the show a couple of weeks ago, which is that we, despite what the Fed is doing, on the fiscal side of things, we are running a $2 trillion per year deficit. That means the government spigots never turned off and actually were stimulating, you know, compared no. to how, like how you would describe it in traditional economic terms, to 
a crazy degree. And maybe that's the reason why the economy has been so resilient. What, what do you think about any one of those? I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. But- no, no. Look, I, I, I think the last one is is the most compelling yeah, in the sense that, uh, and you couple it with monetary policy is actually expansionary as well. People are like, no, no, no. He just raised rates. It doesn't matter what you do with the short-term interest because yeah. you and I don't borrow at Fed funds. Banks borrow at Fed funds. And higher Fed funds actually makes banks more profitable. So, and, and if banks are more profitable, they can buy more stocks on their balance sheet, even though they're not supposed to, but they do. So that helps with the, the Ponzi of, of you know, higher stock prices through multiple expansion. But the, but the point is really, really well taken in that not only is, is the government fiscal spending really high, and particularly high in the um, defense sector, shall we say, that it just turns out a lot of our congressmen and senators own stock in these companies that are, you know, they're voting to give money to Ukraine, who then gives it back to U.S. defense companies. In fact, I think it was Mitch McConnell said, you shouldn't worry about us giving money to Ukraine because it's coming right back. Like, that, that's money laundering. That, 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 that's, that's not good, Mitch. Don't, don't admit that out loud. Um, but he did. And, and so that's real, right? That is real government stimulus because those are American companies with American jobs and people then go out and buy Taylor Swift tickets for $253 on average. Um, some yeah. more than that. But the other piece of it that, that's, that's gotten lost is M2 ticked up. It ain't going down anymore. No more reducing the balance sheet. You know, the whole, hey, we're going to reduce the balance sheet, quantitative tightening. You haven't heard the word quantitative tightening in months. No one's talking about it because M2 went like this. The bailout of SVB and the bailout of, of other banks. And, and look, banks are still failing, you know, but... But the bottom line is monetary policy is actually expansionary, not contractionary, despite the rhetoric. And so I think those two things, and I think the monetary is, is important, but I think the fiscal is what's really being lost. Two trillion, trillion is, is a lot of money. This is really Len Alden's analysis, but it started to make an enormous amount of sense to me. And the reason why I, I called take it- credit for, Don't give Lynn any credit. Good artists borrow, great artists steal. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, look, you know, that the reason I called it short-term bullish, long-term bearish is because good in the short term, right? Like they're borrowing and oh, stimulating amen. the economy. But 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 long term, you know, the, the the problem the problem with these sorts of prognostications is like the timing mark. I mean, frankly, people have been saying this for 40 years, and you've been way too early if you've been saying no, this. But, but and by the way. Do give Lynn credit. I love Lynn. She's, she's I amazing. love Lynn too. Yeah, she's and, the best. And, so I'm just kidding around. But, but I know. You know I know. Picasso was right, and you know, genius. And um, but I, I think this this issue of um, of timing is is really important. And the only thing that matters in the system that we've created is the short term, right? It's the period. You know, we'll call it eighteen months. Of, of active duty, right? Where you're not fundraising for the next election and you're not, you know, paying back the favors from the last election where you actually have some, some work to do. And, and you're going to do everything you can as government officials to make sure 
that that people feel good, right? That gasoline prices are low and that spending is high and that you know people feel comfortable borrowing. And you got to juice when you can juice. And even if you have to pay the piper long term, you're like, well, I don't care about the long term. I won't be here, right? Um, I mean, except some of the career politicians, but then they'll just explain it away. Mark, let me let me just close this section out on the FOMC because I want to move on to big tech earnings with you. But there's a there's actually a great um, you, you love a good mea culpa, right? And uh, in this one, we've got one from you know one of the greats, Mike Wilson. So Mike Wilson was an absolute stud last year, being leading the street and being extremely bearish. Uh, he's the chief equity analyst for Morgan Stanley. For those of you who don't know, uh, and he's just come out and said we were wrong. Uh, so he wrote to clients in a note on on Monday, and. Uh, the, the soft landing is now being priced in as the most likely global outcome. And you know my, my question to you here is not even whether or not you agree with this, but do our fund managers going to have to chase here? Because you know at the beginning of the year, everyone was in cash, extremely bearish. Now people missed this rally. And at a certain point, you have to, now you're starting to see you know seven months into this year, you're starting to get the Mike Wilson to the world saying, hey, we were wrong, and there's only so long that you can be bearish when stocks are going up this month. So, how much of the institutional capital on the street is going to have to flip bullish to chase this rally? Again, really, really important question. And as as you know, I, I think questions are way more important than the answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, this is the question everybody should be asking. And 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 again, anecdotal evidence says yes, there is a chasing that occurs now. Now, normally, it's it's late, like Q4, and that's part of the explanation of Santa Claus rallies, and you know, also around the the issue that you know mutual funds have to sell by October 31st, is not December 31st, and so there is this downward pressure in mid October, and and then you get this you know 30 days later to avoid the wash sale, you get this increase, and then you couple that with with a, a chase year. And, and that's why you get these these big blow off rallies sometimes in Q4. Uh, one of the things about uh, summer, right, is people go away. Like literally, I mean, you went away, I went away, people go away, and and therefore less happens. Volumes drop, and you, you've seen that in the stock market. Yeah, and 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 you get prone to squeezes, and so you know the Nvidia thing happened and. And uh, you know, I've seen it a couple times uh, with with uh, other companies that that quote unquote made earnings, which we'll talk about in a second. I'm like, no, you didn't make earnings. You know, you told me you're going to make a dollar, then you told me you're going to make fifty cents, then you told me you're going to make a dime, and you made eleven cents, and you call it a beat. That's not a beat. I mean, you told me you're going to make a dollar not that long mm-hmm. ago. So, but the street thinks a beat, and because there's no one in their seats, you get a big squeeze, and and they happen. So what I, what I think is actually likely is I think there has been chasing going on, just in the terms of, of short covering. People have had to like, give in. And the number of liquidated shorts this year is an all-time record. It's never been higher. So all that, quote unquote, cash on the sidelines, I think a lot of it is back in the market already. And... And yet, I do agree with you that there's going to be some people that wake up here and they look and they say, geez, I'm, I'm you know, 500 basis points behind. And in the institutional world, 500 basis points is a massive hole because no one mm. said we were going to be up 19% in the S&P this year. Not anybody. 
And somebody says, oh, I did, I did. Okay, fine. Show me, show me the one person who did. Um, I'm with I, don't, you, I don't think there are anybody. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I am, I am positive on your your question that it could lead to chasing. Although I, I will also, I'll, I'll take the other side, which is there's another seasonal effect that occurs in kind of the post Labor Day, where um, people come back to work, they kind of look at the markets and say, huh, doesn't make I'm, any sense. Haven't been doing so good. <laughs> yeah, well, and, 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 and they just look at it and say, you know, this doesn't make any sense. And, and they actually sell. And so you oh. get these cathartic September, October kind of, of downdrafts. And, and to your point, if, if we think about the last tech bubble, right? 2000, 2001, 2002. So 2000 was not the big bad year. Everybody thinks of it as that's when it turned. Well, the market was only down 9%. It just wasn't even down that much. And then in first quarter 01, it actually rallied a decent amount. And then it fell off and it was all Fed based because the Fed was going to save, save the day. And then it rallied hard into that, that face melter that the drug talks about kind of up right up until 9-11. And we were almost back to even uh, by September. And then we had a pretty serious correction exacerbated by 9-11. And I think we were down 13, 14 for the year. But it was 22, it was 2002. It was the bad year, right? That's when we found out WorldCom was a fraud and that Enron was, was fraud and that uh, Cisco had to restate all their earnings. So I, I think if you look at this one, if this was, if this was tech bubble 2.0, it's possible that um, we're going to play out that same way where you have this relief rally. Now the numbers are different in that we did have a really bad year in stocks in 2022, really good year in stocks this year, but net net, you're still down, right? Over the period. If you're down 20 and up 20, you're, you're still down. And then you could have the the come to Jesus. Um, and so I I don't know. I I would be I would be more cautious than a bullion kind of coming into this September. I'm not saying it's gonna crash, but I I would say that there's a there's a there's a a force countervailing against your your chase, which I do I do think is is probably going to happen. Hey, everyone. We'll get back to the show in a minute, but just wanted to let you know that we've got our permissionless conference coming up. This is the one that we do with Bankless. It is the biggest and best conference in DeFi. It's going to be in Austin, Texas this year, September 11th through the 13th. Now, you've heard me say this many times on our show before, but the time to be bearish on crypto was 18 months ago when the Fed began raising rates. Since then, our entire market is down more than 50%. We've had all this bad news. In the last two weeks, we had BlackRock and a whole slew of other institutional invest investors file for a Bitcoin ETF. This space is not going anywhere. So if you're interested in investing in this space at all, I highly recommend that you attend this conference. The other thing, and I've said this before as well, 
Brand market conferences are the best ones. In the fall market, you have all this retail, all this noise. Now you only have the people that are really here building great products. This one is worth your time 100%. And since you are such good listeners to On Margin, which I really appreciate, giving you all a special 30% discount code. It is Margin30. Now you can access that by clicking the link in the bottom of the show notes. So you can see my fingers pointing down, click that link. Because you are a listener of On The Margin, you get 30% off to the conference. Again, the code is MARGIN30. We'll see you all there. Mm. So let's maybe we can close in that same sentiment on big tech, which we're sort of in the middle of earnings seasons here, which has been a mixed bag. So on the on the good side of the ledger, we've got Meta and Google, which both had big beats. We can go into some of those statistics. Big disappointments, not big disappoint, disappointing earnings from Netflix and Microsoft. Uh, we've still got Apple and Amazon to report. Apple obviously being the biggie at almost three trillion dollars of of market cap. So I think I've got some, yeah. So look at look at this slide here. This is uh, family daily active people DAP, whatever their metric is for Meta, which has just climbed to over three billion. And the way they divide up their different or report on their different lines of business is there's advertising revenue, uh, which was a beat um, at thirty one point five billion against thirty point four three of expected. Family of apps revenue, $31.7 billion, uh, beating estimates of $30.55. Reality Labs, which is their metaverse division, uh, missed by almost 40% year over year. 276 against 391.9 expected. That is the one that is bleeding EBITDA, although Mark Zuckerberg has shored up uh, you know, to some extent the, the bleeding there and, and assured investors, uh, but but that's still probably tough for them. And then the the EPS, the earnings per share, is where they they really smoke things. Two point nine eight cents or two dollars and ninety eight cents versus two dollars and forty six uh, of expected. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was it's pretty good for for the Metas and the Googles of the world. A little bit more mixed for for the um, you know, the Netflixes and the Microsoft. But this this the re- the reason I think it's important to zoom in on on these guys is as they are what is driving the market right now. You know, to that first point, I mean. It's it's really a pretty small number of companies up there in rarefied air that are dragging all the indices up yep. and soaking up all the capital. So it's it's, it's worth commenting on. I mean, I don't know. If it you have is, any- and it's 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 self fulfilling, right? Yeah. I mean, so much of the money has been gamified, and it's two types of gamification. You got the you got the young gamification, the day traders. Right? Now, they're not really big enough to matter in terms of total dollars, um, but but it's real in the sense that here we get my sign in today. So, um, but it's real in that that they are driving what's happening in in a big part of of the investment landscape. Things like GameStop and and uh, even they even jumped on Nvidia, right? That the, you know, the yeah. jumped on Nvidia. Um, but but then you see it in in crypto with Doge and that kind of nonsense. But yeah. but that's that's real. But the bigger gamification is us, right? The boomers who put our money in these you know magic things, these magic bean growers called four hundred one ks and four hundred three bs, and every two weeks money is taken out of our check and deposited into index funds, and index funds are passive which means slow active, which means momentum. And so Apple is now seven and a half or something percent and Microsoft is right behind. And so those two stocks, 15, 1.5% of every dollar of retirement money is going into those two stocks, irregardless 
of the valuation because yeah. an index can't think. And that isn't going to get turned off yet. It, it is every year, right? Another number of us turn 71 and a half. I got a ways to go, hopefully. Well, yeah, no, de- definitely, but hopefully I make it that long. And, um, but every time you turn 71, then you got to start taking money out. And that today is about a trillion dollars a year of outflows, but the inflows are still bigger. And so that is what's causing this. And at some point, you got to say, well, but okay, but, but someone's got to gotta stop it. Well, who, who has been the person or persons that stopped it in the past? Short sellers, people like Jim Chanos and others. Well, what happened to them? Most of them have been eradicated, right? Literally take it out back and, and shot. Um, so there aren't that many left. They've been vilified. I mean, absolutely vilified. And, yeah. and here's the part that, that is less talked about, but, but real. There used to be a, an information network. And I'm not, I'm not talking about anything negative or, or clandestine, but there was a, a really good information network of real information. Like analysts at big firms like Morgan Stanley or just talking about and others would actually talk to, to people and then they would publish this research. And But if you were a big client, you could get access to that first. Again, not in a clandestine way, but just look, if, if you're running a business and your best client comes in, they get to go to the front of the line. That's just the way it works. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have velvet ropes for a reason, right? And so- yeah. Just like a bunch of kind of like inside friends, just trading around. Yes, just just friends, just just friends. <laughs> I was making a joke there, but <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Now there's instantaneous AI robots scraping everybody's sentiment on Twitter, and that stuff it's exacerbating these trends. And so I I, I feel like we've got this technological tidal wave of, of, um, you know, it's the old adage, do more of what's working and less of what's not. Yeah. It used to be really hard to do that because you actually had to commit to do it and then you do it and it wouldn't work the first time and you'd have to commit to do it again. Um, or it would take, you know, take time to actually work here. It just works instantaneously because there's just so everything's so fast and so big. And, and so there's nobody that can change. Like, NVIDIA, there's no way you should pay $220 for a dollar of earnings, no matter how fast that earnings is growing, no matter how big AI is. We've talked about C3 AI, right? And this guy's laughing. He's probably not listening to this, but this guy that you know told me, it's going to go to the moon. It's going to the moon. I'm like, what are you talking about? They faked all the data. They got this big Air Force contract and they just, they faked it. And that now has come out in a, in a court case. This former employee said, yeah, we faked it. And the stock won't go down because its ticker symbol is AI. They incinerate cash. They literally burn $150 million a year. So they've burned almost three quarters of a billion dollars in their life. And the stock is up like 300% this year. That's insane. 
That is, in, I mean, that's literally insane. But what stops it? Because a short seller that tried to short that has been carried out. And the only thing I can, I can compare it to is MicroStrategy. First iteration. MicroStrategy was the $3 stock in 2000. It went to 100. And all the short sellers got carried out on a stretcher. I mean, literally. And they came back. And it went to 200. And they all got carried out. They came back. For a third try, it went to $330 at the peak. $330, okay? This is my, yeah, what is it at now? And then it went to three. It went from 330 to three. Michael got fined by the SEC for fraud, for making fraudulent statements, cooking the books, had to pay. In the paper, had to actually admit guilt this time. Usually you pay a fine, you don't admit guilt. I'm like, I don't know, if you pay a fine, you're guilty. But, but he actually had to admit guilt. And he went underground for 20 years before he became, you know, Bitcoin Messiah. But that that story is just so, and I'm not, look, I'm not saying Google is that. I'm not saying Amazon is that. What I am saying, NVIDIA is that. Those are real companies doing real things. What I'm saying is we're in that, in that mania phase where we have total willing suspension of disbelief. We really believe that Tom drove off a cliff instead of a giant ramp with safety stuff. And, but he still, he still drove a motorcycle off a ramp and with a parachute. I mean, and it's amazing scene. It's pretty good. Yeah. Actually, I was, I was looking it up, Mark, the, you, you had the story right there, but the, the amount that MicroStrategy pumped actually wasn't to 300. It was to 3,000. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It went split all the way adjusted, down to $3. Right. Yeah. yeah, split adjusted. Um, I forgot about that. Got it. So, um, yeah, it's it's funny. And, you know, I actually remember I remember a, f- a friend of mine, this must have been, you know, when I was first starting to work at like 2016 time for 2017. And I remember, you know, she was saying, oh, I work at this, this hedge fund called uh, Kinikos. I was like, oh yeah, Jim Chano. I've heard of that. It's a very famous fund. And she's like, yeah, we're, you know, he really doesn't like Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> and if you remember back to that time frame, I mean, Mark, people have been short, you know, the smart money hedge fund short guys have been, you know, anti-Tesla for frankly, almost a decade. Yeah, I know. No, no I know. look, we, we, yeah, thankfully we covered at 300. Yeah. Right? We went short at 200 and it went to 300 and, I remember having a debate with the guys. They're like, it can't go any higher. I'm like, no, no, it, it, it can. It, can. it shouldn't, but it, it can. And, um, you know, thankfully we, we didn't stay short. But um, look, there are times, and I, and I think we're in one of those times, where the more logical you are, the worse it is for you. And Mark, that's, you, that's I'm so with you. That is a is, is an oft understated. I think, you know, what you want. My, my my theory on like people who like gold and Bitcoin is, you know, they often get. And honestly, sometimes I get in this bucket and I get a little uh, more frustrated with with this particular group. But it's like you want the world to burn, right? But I I really think what it is is they want consequences to actions, yeah. and the yeah. reality is the. You know, in this era of like QT or QE, ZERP, 
you know, sort of weird monetary policy where there's an explicit thumb on the scale, it does not reward good behavior. And that is psychologically taxing. That is a frustrating environment to be operating in because it's not one year or two years that there are these market distortions. It is many, 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 it is decades. And it's, and it's frustrating. It's a frustrating, yeah, it's frustrating. It's psychologically taxing. You know, it is. It, look, it's, taxing. What's, what's, what's really hard is, is when you, when you do logical things for a living, it makes it even worse, right? If you, if you work for a Momo fund, you think this is the greatest thing ever. Because look, there's nothing wrong with momentum. It's one half. Like, you know, I would say you're either genetically a value person like me or a Momo person. It doesn't make you good or bad. It's like being introvert and extrovert. It doesn't make you good or bad. It's just how you charge your battery. So, but they're fundamentally different. Like you're never going to make me an introvert. I am never at the end of a long day going to go sit by myself with a book. That's just not going to happen. I need people to recharge my battery. And again, that doesn't make me a bad person or a good person. It just is. And so if you're a Momo in a Momo world, oh, life is awesome. And you justify to, well, we all do this, right? When things are working, you say, oh, look how smart I am. And when they're not, you're like, oh, the market's broken. It's not that the market's broken. It's just we're in this phase. Look, look, look at M2. It's going up. And when M2 is going up, guess what happens? Stocks go up. The other thing that happens, look, Bitcoin goes up. Bitcoin's up this year a lot. Not because Bitcoin got better. One Bitcoin still one Bitcoin. What happened? The dollar got worse. The dollar got worse, right? The fact yeah. that tickets to T-Swift cost, in some cases, thousands of dollars is not because the music's better. It's the same music. And maybe as a performer, she's gotten better. I don't know. I haven't seen her, but it's not that. <laughs> Right? No, no, I'm not serious. It, I mean, no, I mean, maybe, maybe, and I don't mean better like she was bad. I mean, I mean, she may be like Celine Dion, like quality. I mean, like where people are just, oh. I think, I think at some point she's like becoming one of the best sold artists of all time. I mean, she's got to be up there at this point. No, no, that's, that's my point, right? Bruce, you know, he got better and better and better as a performer. Like when he was just from Asbury Park, he was good. He was good, good. But he became a performer, right? He became this amazing, and he, I think he has the record for the tour that she's about to break. And, um, but I, what I mean is Madonna, right? When Madonna was first singing, she was just some, you know, funky kind of created image with the lingerie and all that. So she was a spectacle, but then she became a performer. I mean, her height, those concerts were unbelievable. They were spectacles. So I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying she was bad. I'm just saying, you know, maybe, maybe she's getting a little bit better, but, but Bitcoin doesn't get better or worse. It just is. It is the perfect movie. So we've got to close here, Mark, but where, where do you want to guess? Now this isn't one-to-one, right? Because the way music used to get bundled up into records is different from how it typically gets sold today, but trying to normalize out that data, where would you say Taylor Swift is relative to best-selling artists of all time? Like on a, st- on a oh, one best through selling 100. artist of all time. Yeah. I mean, she's, I don't know. She's like, I don't know, in the second 10. Yeah, you're absolutely right. She is 12. Yeah. 12 best selling artists of all time. Yeah. Congrats, T Swift. You're crushing it. You're, uh, I honestly, nothing but respect for you. A billion dollar tour, like, Jesus Christ, good for you. Um, 
Mark, this has been a, a fun one. It's been good to do this again. I've really missed this. So I, I know. Will see you, uh, so we'll, see we'll get back on schedule here for the fall. And uh, before you know it, we'll be talking football. So Yeah. And permissionless as well. I will see you in person there you go. Uh, very awesome. soon down in Austin, Texas, baby. Um, that'll Best. be a lot of fun. Cool. Barbecue uh, on me. All right, Mark. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one.